One part of the PA school application process that we don't talk about that much is the letters of recommendation, but they actually can carry a lot of weight. And as our podcast guest today, Maddie found out, letters are really important. So we're going to hear from her story, and she's actually starting PA school very soon. She's actually just started, and so we'll get into hearing a little bit about her journey to becoming a PA. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast, y'all, the Pre-PA Club, and I want to thank you so much for listening. We're going to jump right into today's interview, but I just wanted to leave you with a word of encouragement. So it is, we can call this fall, I guess now, and you're probably in fall semester if you're taking classes, and this is about the time where everyone starts to get worried. Maybe you are still in that waiting phase, haven't heard back from programs yet, um, or you interviewed and now you're waiting to hear back from that, or you haven't gotten any interviews and it seems like everyone else is. Try your best not to get caught up in that comparison trap. Every school has a different process and timeline, so be patient. Um, Really look at what you've done and your accomplishments and try not to compare to anyone else. And you may or may not have even applied to the same schools or at the same time. There are just a lot of factors. So now is a good time. If you have any updates to your application, go ahead and send those out to programs so that they know that you are still available, still interested, still working towards your goals. Um, We have some templates on Instagram if you go to the PA or Instagram, it's at the PA platform on there. Um, and then, you know, now's the time to start preparing for interviews. Whether that ends up being in person or virtual, you want to be ready when they say jump and go. So now's the time. Make sure that you are using all of the resources on the PA platform.com. Um, And if you feel like you need extra help with the PA school interview guide or with a mock interview with one of our amazing coaches, some of which we're going to have on the podcast very soon, um, make sure that you use the code FUTUREPA for a discount on those. And reach out. If there's anything that you need help with, questions, post them on the forum on the PA platform. Send me a message on Instagram, an email. My email is the easiest one. It's just info at thepaplatform.com. Um, post in the pre-PA club on Facebook. There's a great community out there for you so that you don't have to feel alone in this. And you can do it. I have faith and confidence in you. So I just wanted to leave you with that before we get to today's interview. Maddie graciously reached out to share her story. And y'all can follow along with her on Instagram. She's at pack, P-A-C-K, to P-A underscore C. Um, she is super personable. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from her. Um, but she felt that her journey was very much impacted by her letters of recommendation, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hey, I'm Maddie. I am 23 years old. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina and got my bachelor's of science in human biology at NC state. Go pack. I am going to be starting at Wingate University in the fall, and I'm so excited. Um, My my program starts towards the end of August, so I've got a little bit of summer left. 
Um, but yeah, I've got three younger sisters. I come from a big family and I'm going to miss Raleigh a lot. My boyfriend lives here and I'll be going back when gets um, like on the outskirts of Charlotte. So I'll be going back and being near my family for PA school, which I think is going to be helpful. Oh, nice. So you're not that far from me. That's a couple hours from where I met in Georgia. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, is anyone in your family in medicine? You mentioned you no, I am the first in my family in medicine. My younger sister is going to be going to CRNA school. So not far behind. She just got her BSN um, and she's going to be working in Charlotte. So, but other than that, we're the only, we're the only medical ones in the family so far. Well, what brought you to medicine and then more specifically to PA? Yeah. So I actually chose NC State because I originally wanted to go to vet school. So I have kind of a different background. Um, I always grew up wanting to help people and animals. And I figured that being a vet would be fun because I could, you know, hang out with dogs and cats all day. Um, But as I dove deeper into the animal anatomy, I kind of figured that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And I kind of felt myself drawn a little bit more towards human anatomy. I had lots of classmates who were kind of feeling the same way. So we kind of explored together the different fields of medicine there are. I knew I didn't want to go into nursing. This was my sophomore year of college. So I was kind of a little bit too far gone to start nursing and NC State doesn't have a nursing program. Um, And I wrestled between MD and PA, um, but I ultimately chose PA because it was a much faster track. I feel like I have the personality type that's more kind of collaborative. And um, I liked the idea of being able to switch specialties. And also it just, it just seemed like a lot of fun. Um, So I was really drawn to the PA profession. I shouted a bunch of PAs while I was in school and really enjoyed what I saw. So nice. Sorry. I'm I'm making you uh, feel like you're at PA school interviews again. I know. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, So at what point in your college career was it that you kind of made that decision change? Yeah, I would say it was probably start of junior year. I had to reapply um, to switch my major to human biology. And I luckily got in, I didn't do that great at the beginning of college. Um, so I think that that probably was a little bit of a red flag on my application, but once I kind of got into my groove and got into the human anatomy, I loved it. So I kind of, and I changed my study habits and kind of learned how to push through not knowing exactly um, how to study. When I first got to college, I felt like I didn't have really good study habits. Um, Mm -hmm. I never adopted them in high school. So when I got to college, I was like, oh shit, (laughs) like we need to kind of figure this out. So um, yeah, once I changed my study habits junior year, my guidance counselor felt confident that I could do PA after I made a couple A's in classes. I was a a very much B student. freshman and sophomore year. I even, I even got a C or or two, I think. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. The, the, they actually, when they look at applications and do studies and stuff, they find that the majority of people who choose to do PA choose or make that decision or change in their junior or senior year of college or after college. So compared to people coming into college, Yes, I've heard that. I wish that it were different. I had never heard of PAs um, until college. I didn't even know it was a thing. I knew that I saw a nurse practitioner as my pediatrician growing up, um, but I I had never heard about the PA profession. So once my friends and I started talking about it in class, I 
thought, oh my gosh, this sounds like such a great opportunity. I really wanted to learn more. And I'm so glad I did because now it's like my life. You know, I, I feel so blessed to be on this journey and to have made it here and to be starting school in August. I never, I mean, I did, I knew I would get there, um, but I didn't imagine it to happen this soon. So I'm feeling really, really lucky and really blessed. Well, it takes hard work and yes, schools saw that if you got in. So yes, um, clearly you did something right. So when it came time to apply, what was your strategy? Did you take a gap year, try to apply right away? What did you? Yeah. So I was very much kind of competing with my other classmates, which if I could go back, I would totally change. They all were applying like into senior year through finals. I just wasn't ready to do it then, but I did it anyways. And I kind of submitted you know, like my half best application, I worked very hard to, of course, pull together a personal statement, but I, for example, didn't even know uh, the difference between physician assistant and physician's assistant at that point. So just from that, um, like looking back, I'm like, whoa, I was not ready for this. And schools definitely um, could tell. I applied to eight programs, my first cycle, and I applied late. I applied August 1st. Okay. So very late, a lot of schools had probably already been doing their interviews. Um, and yeah, I got no interview invites and I was just crushed. I remember um, my last denial was in November. I was going to a Hurricanes game. Uh, I live here in Raleigh, so the Canes were playing. And I remember just getting the email on my phone and thinking, I can't do this. This like I just got denied from every program I applied to. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to become a PA. Um, And that mindset kind of stuck for a couple of weeks. And then I remembered the time in high school that I thought I was never going to get into NC State. And then I did. And then I remembered the time that I didn't think I was going to be able to transfer to human biology. And then I did. Um, And I kind of took my time to be sad. And then I picked myself up and made a game plan. So I changed a lot between my first and second application. And in the end, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way because now I know that I'm going to be the best possible provider. I was not ready when I first graduated school. And now I'm feeling really, really ready to start. So it's all good stuff. (laughs) That's what everyone ends up usually saying about taking a little break or a gap is that they, even if it wasn't planned or wasn't their original, you know, ideal timeline it makes them feel just more prepared um so you didn't get in that cycle so what were you doing in between cycles to get your application ready so I worked as a medical assistant full-time so my biggest thing was hours I got I think 2,000 more hours I worked a ton I started volunteering in Raleigh, which I think set me apart on my application. I volunteered with a community called Interact. And so they're a domestic violence and sexual assault uh, nonprofit organization. And so I volunteered every weekend from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on call as a sexual assault response advocate. So as survivors of sexual assault came into what we call the Solace Center, which is um, a station for kits to be done, I was their support and I would just take calls and go and wait, meet them and kind of be their shoulder to cry on as the nurse examiner, you know, did the kits. And that was a really impactful 
um, opportunity for me. And I had a lot to talk about um, at interviews and on my application. It also kind of steered me a little bit more towards women's health. Um, I'm wrestling between pediatrics and women's health, but I, I loved that opportunity. And I think that helped me um, stand apart a little bit. And then I retook the GRE. So the first time I got a 297, I believe. So not the best. And then I actually ended up taking it three times. So studied again and got a 302. And then I studied again and got a 307. So my third time I was, you know, where I needed to be to be a competitive applicant. And um, I think those three things were the main things that set me apart from my first and second cycle. And just my personal statement. I scrapped the whole first thing. When I read it back, I was like, okay, this is why I didn't get in. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> well, that, you bring up some good points for reapplicants, um, or really just any applicant, but volunteering like doesn't have to be strictly medical at all. And yeah. I mean, sometimes I think those non-medical experiences are ones that you get more out of. Um, oh, yeah. just if it's something that you learn from personally, or, you know, gives you different perspectives, different exposures that will help you as a provider seeing different types of patients. So that's really cool. Um, and then the GRE is annoying and dumb, but it is part of your application that you can improve. So yeah. it stinks, but you can keep working on it and do better and then it can be helpful. So my biggest tip to students yeah. who are kind of stuck in that low score, trying to retake, um, and get a higher score. It can be really tough for students who have test anxiety. I feel like I definitely struggle with that. I meditated every night before my GRE, like the week leading up to it. I would just close my eyes and picture myself in the exam room. It sounds crazy, but I would picture myself at the computer seeing a question that I didn't know how to answer. And I pictured myself like, okay, moving to the next one, taking a deep breath. And so when I was in the exam, I felt so at peace with everything. And I feel like I mean that alongside studying a lot and practicing a lot, but yeah. I think the mental aspect is really important too. You have to mentally prepare for this thing. It's not a walk in the park. <laughs> it's yeah. a long test. And the same goes for interviews. That's there's a really great TED talk. I've shared it before on social media that talks about like the power stance. Yes. The same idea, like basically you kind of stand in like a superhero pose for a few minutes before a big meeting or discussion. And just doing that like changes your whole demeanor and mindset. So it's um, so funny that you yeah. say the power pose. I remember watching that TED talk in high school before my SAT and doing that back way back in my high school days. It, it's really so helpful. And it sounds silly, but once you can kind of like get get over the silliness, it's it's really, really, really beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So second application cycle. What did you do differently? Did you apply to all the same programs? Did you pick new ones? What was your approach? A little bit of both. So the second time I was looking um, at more schools out of state and then also a couple smaller programs. Winget is a smaller program. They started um, early 2000s. So they're kind of newer. I didn't apply to wing it the first time because I was afraid of being too close to home, but I applied the second time and I'm so glad I did because when I got to my interview, it just felt right. But anyways, I applied to a lot more programs. I kind of set aside my finances a little bit better so that I was ready to 
pay all that money for <laughs> your CASPA applications and supplementals. Um, I think I applied to 14 programs the second time. Okay. And some I applied to in North Carolina, Massachusetts, South Carolina, just kind of all over. I even applied to some in Chicago. I was just kind of matched with my prerequisites and said, all right, wherever the wind blows me, like this is going to be my time. Um, and it blew me to wing it. So <laughs> blew me right back home. Did you, after your first cycle, did you reach out to any programs for feedback? I didn't. And I wish that I had, I think I was really afraid of them telling me something that I didn't want to hear, which is silly. Um, but I did do that the second time, which I know we'll get to a little bit later, but. So yeah. So the second time, what were the outcomes from those applications? So second time I applied to 14 schools, got one interview waitlisted and then accepted in March. So (laughs) only takes one. I know, (laughs) but it was very stressful going through it, knowing that I had like that one little dangling piece in front of me and it was really stressful only having one, but it only takes one. So there you go. Um, so in that process and when you originally reached out to me, when you were talking those programs, what were they telling you like feedback wise when you were hearing back? Yeah. So my second round, I was still on the wait list at, I guess, let me kind of back up a little bit. So I applied to all my programs back in June. So earlier this time, and then I had my interview with Winget in November, got waitlisted in November. And so I was preparing for my third cycle. I was still on the wait list in January, February, and I was planning to do a third cycle and at that time, I reached out to programs that I got denied for asking, hey, you know, what is it on my application that I can improve on? Um, some of these programs I was second time applicants to, and then some I was just one. Um, and I'll never forget the moment I was on a Zoom call with an admissions coordinator. I won't um, say the name of the program or anything, but um, he said, you know, everything on your application looks awesome. Like your GRE is competitive. We liked your personal statement. Like, I don't see any red flags here. And then he goes, oh, I see a red flag. And my heart sank. And I was like, what's the red flag? Like, let me fix it. And he said, no, no, it's, it's one of your letters of recommendation. And I kind of like stepped back and I was like, wait, what? And he was kind enough to share with me the individual who wrote my letter of recommendation. So there's three categories, I guess they can put you in. Mm -hmm. Do not recommend, recommend, and then highly recommend. And so my recommender only recommended me um, and my others had highly recommended me. So he said that that was kind of a red flag. And I was super shocked because I had been working at this practice for a long, long time. Um, And I had, you know, a really serious conversation with the provider that I needed the letter from, you know, letting this person know, hey, I really only would like you to do this if you can highly recommend me. You know, I know these programs are competitive and I was just totally blindsided by that. And it was really hard to hear. And it really crushed my confidence a lot. And it was so hard going back into work on Monday. Let me tell you that. <laughs> you ever talked to them about it? Or I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. I did. I did on my last day. I went back and forth for a while. Um, I wasn't sure what the right thing to do was because, of course, no one's obligated to highly recommend someone at all. Like, But I just wish I would have known because I think that it may have produce different outcomes 
in this application cycle. And I believe that I am where I'm meant to be. And I'm super excited for, you know, this upcoming August, I get to start school. It's just, wow. Like I, I had no idea that, um, that, yeah, that had happened or that could happen. I just, I'd always heard, oh, make sure they highly recommend you. But I really, um, I really didn't think it would happen to me. So yeah, I spoke with them. The conversation um, had a really great outcome. It seemed that it was a misunderstanding and that um, the provider thought that a high recommendation could only go to someone with like 10 years of experience. And I don't know if that's 100% genuine or not. Like I'm not gonna, you know, whatever. But I just let the person know in the future if a you know pre-PA, pre-med student asks you for a recommendation, if you can't highly recommend them, just, you should just, you know, tell them no. And they acknowledged that I said that. I don't know if they'll actually do that in the future, but I felt good. I felt like, okay, maybe I'll help one person in the future avoid that because it really stinks to have, you know, work so hard for something and then have that part of your application, um, kind of that's out of your control, put a red flag on you. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, we left on good terms. I, you know, was very respectful and said no hard feelings and I appreciate the opportunity, but, um, I think they were shocked that I had found out. <laughs> it was, yeah, that yeah. Too, yeah. Probably a little shocked that, and that's interesting because that's the hard part about layers. Like you said, it's out of your control. You never know what someone's going to put, but you have to really feel like, you know, and trust those people. And it is, for a lot of people, like a new process, like they've never had to do a letter of recommendation or one through this system or whatever. Totally. So, like when, when it comes in, basically what we have to do is rank, there's different qualities about you. And then that ultimately like recommend or highly recommend or do not recommend. Um, and then the letter, of course, but um, in talking to so many faculty and then admissions people, I mean, they really do put a lot of weight at a lot of programs on the letters because that is someone's outside opinion that they're getting of you. So it is really important. Um, but that's, I, I think, I don't know, like it's hard because I think back on the preceptors that no matter how awesome you were, they're not going to give you the highest grade. Like that yeah. is, I guess, against their standards or beliefs or whatever. Like they, just believe that no one should get a hundred on a rotation. So like, I remember one specifically for me that I ended up getting a B on when the kind of ratings translated to a grade because they kind of ranked me at like, it was like one to five and I got like mostly like fours. And I'm like, do you realize like <laughs> four is a B and I yeah. worked really hard. I want an A. And so it's just, it is funny that that happens. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is hard. Cause you just never know. Um, and that's why I like, I see a lot of people talking about like my, this person said they write me a letter, but now they're giving me the runaround or they're ghosting me. And I'm like, well, do you really want that person to write you a letter? If you're having to chase them down, like, do you really think it's going to be a great letter? Maybe we need to move on to somebody else. Absolutely. I, if I could give any piece of advice, um, from my experience, it would just be ask someone you trust, ask someone, because I, when I think back to asking, I remember thinking this person is tough to please, but I think they'll highly recommend me. If you think 
just pick someone who you know. It's, I can't say it enough. It was such a shock to me. And I'm so glad I got in for my second cycle because going through a third and having to find another recommender would have been really, really tough. But I think ask more people than less. Um, get creative with asking. I know that some schools require, you know, one from a PA or one from a PA or MD and then one from a professor. But I thought about asking um, the coordinator of my volunteer group. And I think that would have been, you know, a much more meaningful letter um, than someone who kind of had to rush it. It's really busy in clinic. So kind of get creative with it. It doesn't have to be from, I mean, as long as you meet the requirements, of course, on the school's website, it doesn't have to be from an MD or DO or PA or an MP, like all your letters don't have to be like medical provider letters. Um, And then just, I guess, reiterate, reiterate, reiterate. Like if you don't feel like you can highly recommend me, like no hard feelings, like, cause it's really, I feel like I did that, but I, I guess just try to ask someone you trust is my biggest piece of advice yeah. for that. It's hard that that's kind of out of our hands. But. Yes, I know. It, it's very hard. And I think so many pre-PAs are, we like to be in control. We're very, a lot of us are very type A and that one part, I think that one part gave me the most anxiety about my whole application, just waiting for the submission and asking and reaching out. So get that part out of the way ASAP, like the sooner, the better. It's never too soon <laughs> to give someone a heads up for a letter. All right. Well, let's talk about happier things, which are you got accepted to school. So you Yay! said interview, you really felt that the school was a good fit in what ways? And how did the interview go? Did you feel prepared? Did you feel nervous? What do you, yes. So I got accepted, um, or invited to have an interview back in August and my interview wasn't until November. So I had plenty of time, luckily to prepare. I used your book, um, the interview guide, and that helped a ton. I sat down and kind of started with like practice questions and I would just jot down my thoughts and ideas. And then I, once I kind of got my ideas on paper, I moved on to friends and family practicing mock interviews with me. I think I get really nervous um, in stressful situations. I don't know if you can tell, even like at the beginning of the podcast, I was a little bit more nervous, but kind of just talking out loud to, to people helped me a lot. I probably did like 50 mock interviews before my interview. So by the time I got there, oh, and then I also did um, a mock interview through the pre-PA platform, which was really helpful. And the harshest feedback I got, but the best. So (laughs) I I remember I was wearing, um, I was wearing like a white top and it was just a little, I guess it was a, like a slight V and she was like, Nope, just do a scoop. Like no V. And I'm like, all right, you tell me you're the pro. So, um, so in person or virtual, virtual, virtual. Okay, cool. Yeah. So when I got to the interview, I felt really prepared. I was of course a little bit nervous. I think everyone has nerves at a PA school interview or any sort of interview you go into. Um, but I was just myself and I felt like that was well reciprocated. I felt like the professors that I talked to were really engaged and really liked, um, talking with me, which just felt nice. I also liked the portion where we talked with the students. We had a portion where um, three of the current students came on and kind of told us what they liked and answered questions for us. And I remember them talking about how much the professors care about the students succeeding. And that really resonated with me. They also talked a lot about how no one is really competitive at all in their program. Um, you're all in it together. It's a, It sounded like a big team effort. And I was really excited to 
attend a program that was like that. Um, I didn't want to have any sort of like competition for A's, B's, whatever, just kind of, um, it just felt like home when I, when I was there at the interview. Um, I don't know how to describe it better than that. I felt at peace. I felt thankful. I felt excited. It's a class of 40, so not too, too big and not too small. Um, and yeah, they have two campuses. So one is outside of Charlotte and then one is in Hendersonville. So closer to Asheville, North Carolina. So there's 40 students at main campus and then 15 at Hendersonville. So I thought it was cool that we'd also be able to virtually meet um, even more students who were in a different part of North Carolina. So that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got accepted. So when did you get off the wait list? So interviewed in November, got placed on the wait list middle of November and then get got in off the wait list at the end of March. Okay. Gotcha. So I had like started rewriting my personal statement. I was like pushing it. <laughs> Thankfully you didn't have to go through all that again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's not fun. Um, okay. So now, so we're talking in June, you're starting school in August. Um, what kind of things have you done to prepare yourself? Have you done anything? Have you made any changes? Like what's your timeline been since acceptance to start school? Yeah. So I've just been taking some time for myself. I really want to improve on my physical and mental health. I want to get back into a habit of meditating. I know that if I don't do it now, I'm going to have a really hard time starting when school starts. Um, I'm also trying to stick to a sleep schedule, like go to sleep at 10, wake up at six, which is also hard because I've got the freedom now to like sleep in. And I'm sure I'll do that like on some weekends, but I really want to maintain my sleep hygiene. And then as far as like getting prepared for school, I need to buy a bunch of business casual things. Cause that's our day-to-day -day class attire. I think we're going to, it sounds like we're going to be in person. I hope. Um, so I've been like online shopping for business casual clothes and exercising and meditating and just living it up. I have a couple of beach vacations this summer, which is really exciting. And I'm just soaking it all in. I'm still on cloud nine. <laughs> That's the perfect place to be because once school starts, things will be a little, little more intense, but you'll do. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm hoping that I'm over preparing for that so that when I get to school, I'll feel somewhat prepared for that. It's hard to prepare for the unknown. So yeah. is your class doing anything to connect or talk to each other before school starts? Yeah, we have a group me. A lot are moving to Charlotte now over the summer. I have two roommates and we'll be moving in in the beginning of August. So there's lots of talk of meeting up, um, but we haven't gotten together yet. We're at, we start at the very end of August. So still have a little bit of time. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's fun. It's fun connecting and meeting people virtually. And we're all getting really excited, I think, to meet in person soon. So, yes. I mean, and even, gosh, I went to school like 10 years ago. And was it 10 years ago? No, like, yeah, eight. I don't know. Um, but that's how we all met. So, like, we made a Facebook group and we're all talking for basically a year because we started to get accepted in September and then didn't start till oh, May. Oh, wow. Yeah. In, in May, like, I remember our kind of welcome event. It was at somebody's apartment complex that had a pool and we all went and got. Oh, that's so fun. We've been talking to for an entire year. So, um, it's just funny how that's like the same, but. <laughs> taking a step backwards. Um, well, thank you so much for, for just reaching out and being willing to share your story. Where can everybody kind of like 
find more information or follow along with you? I think you have an Instagram. Yeah. Yes. I just started my PA Instagram, which is fun. So it's pack to PA underscore C. So it's P A C K T O P A underscore the letter C. Okay. So pack to PA to that. Yay. Thank you so much. So this was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and congrats. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast. This was so fun. I think we can all agree that Maddie probably did great at her PA school interviews, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend, share it on social media, leave a review, and I look forward to seeing you next week when we'll have another episode of the Pre-PA Club. In the meantime, you can find me in the Pre-PA Club on Facebook, on thepaplatform.com, and on Instagram at the PA Platform. Bye, guys.